Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Uh, just a couple of programming notes first. We did a fresh episode of Buffon 55 yesterday, and it was a good one. So it's available on demand here on YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio podcast. Just search Barroom Network, and you'll see a list of all of our great shows, including Bardon Hockey Talk. It was a great show about Patrick Kane. Uh, it, and his next destination. Where is he going to play next? And then uh, upcoming this weekend on Friday, it's uh, – oh, one other thing, Mac and Reed. Uh, you'll also find a fresh episode from yesterday there as well. And then upcoming, we've got the Willis Twin Towers uh, uh, podcast on Friday. That will be live. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get alert when that goes live. Uh, we'll be talking some Notre Dame football on Friday. And then on Sunday, our coverage starts with the Barfly Tailgate Show first thing in the morning. So – those are the plugs. Let's bring in the guy, the man of the hour. He is, of course, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm and, you know, speaking of Packer Kane, you know where I hope he, hope, nor I hope he ends up? Buffalo his Sabres. Hometown, his hometown. <laughs> and I guess from, I, I read yesterday that um, he that's one of the teams he's already been speaking to out of mm -hmm. about five or six. So that uh, that would be nice. You know, he grew up in South Buffalo. Uh, he knows my son-in-law. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, he, he obviously had that off-field occurrence that turned out to be total BS. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, a few years ago. But um, they, lost their, they lost their best center just – a couple of days ago to a upper body body injury. He's probably going to be out for two months. So bringing in a guy like Kane could be a help. And that would be a, the perfect place for him to play his final years in the NHL, his hometown Buffalo Sabres. I'd love to see that for him too. He really is a great guy. And some, you know, as any young person, he had some, you know, uh, encounters uh, after night partying and, and so forth, but it doesn't look really like he did anything legally wrong. So he's a good guy. He's done a lot for the community here in Chicago. I wish him well, and Buffalo would be a great place for him. What about you, Greg, uh, and the Chicago Bears? We have we talked after the Panthers win, and I said it was ugly, and you said, you know what, there were some good things about this win and so forth. Now that you've had some time to reflect about that Panthers victory, can you share some more of your thoughts about that uh, win, that close win over the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, and, and I think – a lot of it has to do with the next eight weeks. Yeah, there's seven games, but you got to buy in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are screaming and hollering. We got to have, you see on Twitter, you got to have a new coach and all this other shit and draft so and so, draft this guy. And none of that's going to be determined now, but mm -hmm. it will be determined over the course of the next eight weeks. 
And I think in a number of cases, if the team has been, especially the defense, the team has been performing better over the the, uh, last month on on the defensive side of the ball. In fact, Jones, the defensive tackle, probably played the best ball since he came here a year ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's, we got to get, Justin Fields to play is Justin Fields what we saw most of year one and most of year two, or is Justin Fields going to turn out to Denver and Washington? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and if it's what we saw most of year one and most of year two, then my gut feeling is that they will not pick up his fifth year option. They may even try to move them, and they'll and and if they're in position, and it's way too early with with eight weeks to go in the season to, to figure out where you're going to end up in the draft. But right. you know they may be in position to draft a quarterback and may end up doing that. Um, you know, then you're you know starting all over again. Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, I think. If that was the case, Bajit would be the starter while they get the other guy ready uh, mm-hmm. and, and up and going. But, you know, with the, with the coaching staff, I think, you know, the one thing we've talked about a lot is where there's been fans who've said the team has quit on the coaches. It's very obvious on the field that the players have not quit on the coaches. Right. right? And so I think not only wins and losses, but how the players play in these last seven games is going to be a determining factor on if there's a coaching change. Now there could be, and there could be a lot of different things. You know, you could say, okay, look at polls and, and flutes and, could have a meeting at, at the end of the season and he's and and polls could say look at i want you around but you got to make some changes and i think you need to make a change here here and here you know and and sometimes coaches balk at that because mm-hmm. they're loyal to their own staff and so and then then you're causing a a, a situation where you have to let a guy go so yeah exactly and with the two uh, assistant coaches who have been released because of HR type issues, uh, he Eberflus has less of I, I would say less power to sh- to uh, uh, say something negative regarding any changes to his coaching staff. Well, that, that's a definite mark against him. Uh, there you go. That it has to be, but. You know, in in the case of Williams, um, you know, he worked with the guy for, what, four years in Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. And there was never an inkling of anything. Right. And then with the running back coach, I think he's fairly new with Flus. That might, you know, he sounds like he, who knows what happened. Sounds like he's an abusive person. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, HR got involved and, and uh he he's gone, but yeah, I mean, you're gonna you got two positions you're gonna fill right there, but there might be a few more you got to fill, and mm-hmm. you know, depending on uh, who plays, how well each 
position group plays. Now, in saying all that, how about this? This is the first game since the opening of training camp that the projected starting lineup is just about intact. Yeah, isn't that wild? On defense, the only, you know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is out, you know, with the knee. It'll probably be mm-hmm. questionable by the end of the week. But, you know, Sam Warren does more than his fair share to fill in. He's outstanding. And then the difference on offense is they had penciled in Cody Whitehair. Well, Cody Whitehair played himself out of a job, mm-hmm. you know, because he still had snapping problems. And Patrick hasn't played that bad. So you're going to have like a, a across the front, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Patrick, Nate Davis, and Wright. And it's the first game all year that they've had mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, so that could make a difference because you might get some continuity. So, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what happens this game. You know, I shouldn't have a good feeling, but I kind of do have a good feeling about this game. I think Detroit's like, yeah, we're going to blow these people out, you know, and um, it's going to be a little bit closer than I think. Yeah, I posted on the Barroom Network's X account a, a video of Dan Campbell talking about the possibility of this being a trap game and what he's been urging his players to study the tape and see that the Bears play with a lot of aggression. They don't give up. They keep coming. They have a lot of talent and so forth. And so he is aware that some of his players might be taking this Bears team Lightly, considering that they scored 72 points against the Bears in their two games last year, Greg. And so those players might be thinking, ah, these guys are going to be easy. Well, that's not the case. This is a different Bears team, especially on defense, right, Greg? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, I mean, the defense as a whole is playing a lot better. But in just two games, Martez Sweat has made a huge difference. Now, granted, he doesn't have a sack. Mm-hmm. But it's because of his presence, it's what the other people have been allowed to do. Yeah. And and now on top of that, you get your secondary is healthy for the first time all year. You got your regular starters in there, all, all five. And who had probably the game of his career last week was Kyler Gordon. Kyler mm-hmm. Gordon was outstanding last week. He really was. You know, so I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm always positive. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm until I see the worst, I'm going to think the best. Yeah, I uh, love that positivity. We really need it uh, in this uh, stage of our Bears fandom uh, because there's just so much negativity. I know fans are frustrated. I'm frustrated. But why keep wa- watching if you don't have hope, right? I've got the questions from OKC Bear Boy, Chris Watts, Free Palestine. Keep them coming, and I'll get to them shortly. Uh, Greg, uh, Justin Fields met with the media yesterday. I've got a couple of sound bites. This was him uh, asking how close he was to playing against the Panthers and what he's looking forward to doing in the next seven games. I wanted to play, but uh, the head trainer said it was my best, you know, probably for the best for the future long term. Um, to, to just wait it out one more week, especially, you know, coming off a short week and stuff like that. And, you know, if it would have got hit or something like that, it probably would have postponed it another two or three weeks. So, uh, 
Are you looking at these next seven games any differently for you, even if thinking big picture of the evaluation of what the Bears are doing for you as a quarterback, or are you just kind of approaching them, okay, let's just try to win out these last seven games? No, I mean, it just starts with Sunday um, and just taking it day by day. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my focus right now is just, you know, focusing on Sunday, getting prepared for that, uh, you know, going out there, playing hard, playing to the uh, best of my ability. Greg, you've been uh, inside tons of locker rooms. You've seen quarterbacks with hand injuries. And have you ever seen a quarterback have a kind of a similar thumb injury that gripping the football could be an issue? And if so, tell us your recollection. You know, I, 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 I don't recall uh, okay. on a thumb, uh, to be specific, but it's like the major digit when you're throwing a football. You know, so I think, yeah. You know, one one good blow there could knock him right back out. So, um, there's a couple things though. Like they, I think it was Courtney. You know, asked him about you know how you looking at this as part of the future and all that. And he says, "Hey, I'm just taking a game at a time." You know, that, that's BS. He knows damn well that he has to. He's trying, number one, to get the Bears to pick up the fifth-year option on his contract, or number two, get a, a contract extension. These games, these seven games, mean everything to Justin Fields. So if, if he doesn't perform, my gut feeling is you won't see him here next year. Mm, wow. There you go. Uh, that's that's a commercial for, for X. I'm going to put that in. Very provocative statement you just said. By the way, Mike Ibsen reminded us that Jay Cutler broke his thumb, didn't he, in that one season that uh, we, we, we were headed to the Super Bowl. We were playing so well. And then I guess – You know, was that again. was after I was gone. Okay. And he – here, here I, I know some of the story behind that. And he had a broken thumb – he was supposed to see he had a surgery set up with the hand surgeon who's one of the most renowned hand surgeons in the Chicago area downtown, not going to mention his name, mm -hmm. but he happened to operate on both of my thumbs. So I, I know him. Well. <laughs> yes, so, I would say. Uh, um, they had a surgery set up and Cutler blew him off and went out to Colorado and had some other guy do it. Mm -hmm. And, then there was questions of whether it was really a great surgery. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I hope that uh, Fields is ready to rock and roll. Uh, I do have one more soundbite, and really, I forgot to label it. <laughs> and so I don't know what he's saying here, but let's listen to Justin Fields on Wednesday's press conference. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, when I was out, I was trying to, you know, just, you know, be the same leader I was when I was playing. Um, you know, helping, of course, helping Tyson out with, you know, anything he asked for. I would, you know, write extra notes about, you know, scouting reports on DBs and safeties and linebackers and stuff and just send it to him. But, um, yeah, and, you know, just being on the sidelines, I feel like you look at the game from a different perspective. Um, and, you know, just kind of just seeing the game from a different view. So, um, you know, definitely learned a lot um, from, you know, just being on the sideline and um, just, just really just looking at the game from the sideline, just body language, you know, um, just, you know, different alignment cells and stuff like that. So, yeah. Is there anything you need to be cognizant of if you get hit or sacked about protecting your hand? Just protect the ball. 
that's number one. So if my hand gets hurt in the process, it's, as long as the, the ball protected, you know, that's all that matters. But I love that response. Just protect the ball. I'm not worried about my hand. That and that was instinctive. So that was really nice. Right, and, and he's got those attributes that we have seen throughout his career, short career, two and a half year career, moments of absolute brilliance. And then we have seen moments of what the fuck, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, so you go back to the Washington game. What was it? He started off the game with 17 completions in a row. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was on fire, right? Awesome. Reeds getting the ball out of his hand. You know, that's what you want to see again. What was disheartening is that the following week then, and they're at home, he lays an egg before he hurts his arm or her hand. Interesting. Got to ask you this question. I know we've talked about it before, but, you know, sometimes our thoughts change a little bit. Uh, you know, when evaluating Justin Fields, you have to start with evaluating with what he's been asked to do. So the, I think the million-dollar question here is, is there a good marriage between the offensive scheme that Luke Getzey runs and the physical and uh, athletic attributes that Justin Fields has. I mean, when, when, when Justin Fields came out of college, he was billed as a pocket passer. Well, I don't think he in the NFL has been proven himself to be truly a pocket passer. I know yeah. a lot of people in the chat room are going to say, well, oh, the offensive line, this offensive line, that no, he's not a pocket passer. Uh, so do you, do in this evaluation process of that's coming up here, do you start with Luke Getze or do you go immediately to player personnel and then think about the uh, coaching staff? Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that go into that. And part of it is when Bajit was playing, teams didn't know what Bajit could do or couldn't do. There wasn't any tape on him. Right. Right. So, you know, how good an athlete is he? How fast is he? Whatever. So you could do some things with him. And, and they did a lot of rollouts, both to the left and to the right, thrown on the run, and had success with them. With fields, most of the time, especially this season, you have had a guy mirroring him who and, and makes a lot of those plays that much more difficult. So, you know, to answer the question fairly is – is the defense doing a good job taking away what Justin Fields can do? And that is get out on the perimeter, make a good throw on the run, play with a half field or take off. But when he's got a shadow on him all the time, it makes him a lot difficult. Well, Bajit never had a shadow. They just tried to blitz the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That um, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. All right, let's get to some of the questions here. I don't want them to pile up too much. Um, OKC baby boy or bear boy says, first question is five and two over the last seven games. Is that too much to ask to save Flus's job? In other words, if Flus goes five and two over the last seven uh, over the last seven games, Flus is guaranteed his job, particularly based on what Ryan Pose said about his head coach two or three weeks ago in that press conference. Probably well, I think that was two weeks ago, and that okay. told me a lot. 
Okay. That press conference told me a lot. So um, I don't know what the record's got to be, but if the team, if, if he in fact loses the team and the team's not showing improvement and they're, and they're you know, basically treading water, then you're going to have to make a move. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, but here's what happens when you make a move. Bringing in a new coach. So you're going to have a new scheme on offense, a new scheme on defense. You've got a lot of these players that are fits for the scheme they got. Are they going to be fits for the next scheme? Okay. And, and then you got to start flipping out players again. So there's a lot, there's a lot more to the equation than people think about, you know, so you, you got to think, okay, I want to run something similar. So it won't screw up the, you know, the players and if Flus is going to be here, you know, you're going to run pretty much the same defense. If, if, you know, my favorite to be a, a head coach, if they made one was, is Dan Quinn in Dallas right now, that's not going to be a whole lot different than, than what you're seeing right now. You know, so right. it, it's just how, um, you know, the players fit within the scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said earlier about the players playing hard for Eberflus and that he hasn't lost the team. There's some uh, talk in the chat about that. And I'll enca- encapsulate it this way: Have you have you ever been a part of the team of a team where the players were still playing hard, but you heard or overheard them complaining about the coaching staff, complaining about decisions that were made by the decision makers, just being a uh, upset that the team's leadership was not doing things to help win the team to win games uh, and but they still went out in the field and played super hard you know it's a hard question i'm going to say as a player and i started playing when i was 8 and i finished when i was 31 mm-hmm. i would say yes to that mhm you know, because first of all, you're playing for yourself. You're playing for right. your own pride. Right. And the, as far as, you know, like backstabbing the coach or whatever, again, when I was a player, yes, since I've been in the league, I can't say yes on that definitively, only because you're not around the player's as much in those private settings mm-hmm. where that would be said. So, um, yeah, could they question some calls? Absolutely, they could. Um, you know, Chase Claypool did. Where is she? Yeah, caught one pass with the Dolphins so far. <laughs> but he's blocking better. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Ed. The whole thing... I didn't think it was a bad trade. I don't. I still don't think it was a bad trade because that guy's got talent up the yin yang. Yes, he That's does. Waste. Okay, from the neck up, he's missing a whole lot. Like mm-hmm. maybe the whole left side of his brain or something, because you know there's something screwy there. Yeah. All right, let's get to some more questions as they continue to pile up. I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, Chris is asking, do you think the improvement of the defense is the one thing that's going to save Matt Eberflus's job? 
Well, I'll go back to what I've been saying most of the show. I'm not so sure so certain he's going to get fired. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're, he, it's got to play out. You're not, you're not firing him on the record today. If you're going to fire a guy, you're going to fire him on his record after 17 games. Right. And so uh, it's how's the team playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, the improvement, if there's an improvement, it's a combination. It's a, it, it's a combination of how's the team playing? How's the defense playing? Because he's running the defense right now. Right. How's Fields playing? Because yeah. I think, if, you know, if, if Field bounds, if, you know, I think they'd give him a minimum three games. And if he plays mm-hmm. lousy in those three games, it wouldn't shock me to see him make a change. Yeah. Well, uh, and so offensive coordinator would be one of those changes. And so John is asking, is there a chance that Pep Hamilton, who is a fan favorite, is a favorite from the fans here in Chicago, that he might come back and and be the offensive coordinator? I would bet that at least he would be granted an interview, right, Greg? Well, he was he was interviewed the last time. Right. You know, so uh, but but Flus particularly wanted that. Green Bay, San Francisco, LA mm. scheme, and and Peps is not like that. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, I I can't say enough good things about Pep Hamilton. You know, we had him on the show. He's a great guy, and I'd love to see it. But that doesn't mean that the people in Hallis Hall want him to be the guy. Right. Right. Good point. Okay, uh, Free Palestine is asking, Greg, can you see Poles trading the first pick uh, for assets and getting a quarterback once this roster is complete? Maybe rebuild like Philadelphia and Kansas City did. I like this question, Greg, because I look I at this. I totally cr- understand it. Well, uh, I, I, this this draft, there's going to be like seven quarterbacks. Two of them yeah, are going to go in the first three picks. And then some of these other guys like J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, mid to late first rounder, might even fall to the second rounder, Penix. Uh, some of these other guys are second round picks. So I think the question is, can you see the Bears trading the first overall pick, getting tons of picks, and then focusing in on a quarterback, mid to late first round talent uh, uh, value, I should say, and then – bringing them to camp and having them compete versus Fields and Bajan. I I can only say what I do. Okay. okay? And what I would do, if I made up my mind mm-hmm. that Justin Fields is not the guy, and I don't think Tyson Bajan can be the guy, and I have one of those first two picks, I'm taking a quarterback. Okay, I, I don't think you have any choice. I think if Fields comes out and plays like he did in those mm-hmm. two games, that changes the equation. Now I think, then I think you're going to see that pick getting traded. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll keep the they'll keep the second of the picks, and you know, a stockpile because they you know they had to give away a second round pick to uh, uh, 
get Montez Sweat. So you want to recoup that. You want to probably get pick up another number one for next year. So he's going to have a lot of options. But until we get to the end of the season and figure out, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. Let's let's, you know, play the thing out. I I, I don't like to speculate on unknowns. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it is because I've lived this life. Mm-hmm. I've been in the building with the gun to your head and and I, I, I know what it's like. And I feel awful for the families of Guys yeah. like Flus and stuff like that, who who they gotta listen to this. I mean, there was a couple things disparaging things written about me uh, once, and you know, like the next day, my wife goes into work, and all these people, you know, come up to her, "What's going on with your husband?" and all this, you know. So it, it's yeah, you know, I don't give a shit because that's the one writer's opinion. But sure. it has an effect on other people. And that's yep. tough. And I don't think fans really understand that. I don't think they care. You know, yeah. they just want to win or lose. But, you know, there's a human side to it. And do you think this, these guys want to go out and lose every freaking week? Hell right. no. They're trying. They're busting their butt to win. No, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Greg, because yeah, we as fans are guilty of treating these fellow human beings so disrespectfully because we want our team to win so much. We, you know, the the common courtesy we pay to uh, our neighbors, our friends, our family, it doesn't extend to coaches and managers and players. And that's just ridiculous. We need to do better. And I'm glad that you said that. Having said that, our next question is about have you heard anything about and all of the dealings that you have with people around the league, text messages, phone calls, emails, and so forth? And what are you hearing about Matt Eberflus as a coach? Let me re, 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 uh, remold the question that way. What are you hearing about him as a head coach? You know, I got a DM this morning from a guy, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, like Peter King. And Albert Greer are saying that Flus is really on the hot seat. Okay. And and you look at the record and you say, okay, that, that's got to be a given. But then a couple of weeks ago, well, let's say going into the Washington game, Peter King also said on ESPN 1000 that if the Bears don't win this game in Washington. My gut feeling is he's going to get fired after mm-hmm. the Washington game. Well, you know, I've known Peter a long time. So I sent Peter a text and I said, Peter, I said, is this something you know or something you're guessing? And he said, 100% guessing. Okay. You know, so that's what a lot of this, these guys, they write for clicks, you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's speculation and you just don't know. And I, I listening to polls, a very seldom, do you see general managers talk during the season? Mm-hmm. You've seen polls twice this year. And he was very emotional 
and that last one. Mm -hmm. And so that tells me that and, and maybe that's to his own detriment. You know, you can look at it from both sides. But that tells me that there's, you know, a little bit more to the big picture than we're privy to, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I I I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that observation. More questions. Uh, King Pookie Nation is wondering, what is the deal with Phelis Jones? Are we cutting him? It looks like Khalil Herbert is close to coming back from injury. There'll be a, a spot necessary. Do you see Phelis being cut and then maybe returning on the practice squad? I I don't know who they're going to cut. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're heavy at the wide receiver position, but they'll mm -hmm. also be heavy at the running back position mm -hmm. because they brought in um, Evans. All right, who's and, played well. You know, so that could go too. I mean, they got him off the street or off a practice squad. So it's um, – my experience says – they're going to give Velas every chance he can get because he's mm -hmm. got talent. He's got natural talent. Uh, and that if Khalil is ready to play, that one of the other running backs will be let go or maybe somebody will get a mysterious injury and get put on IR or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um Getting back to this coaching question, Ron's got a, a, an interesting question. Does it make sense to keep changing the coaching staff every few years when the owners and management are the real problem? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the owners and management are a real problem. Maybe they've made some mistakes in who they've hired to be the coaching staff, but there there is something to say for continuity and to give the uh, head coach the benefit of the doubt, even after two horrendous seasons in, in terms of one loss record, um, and so I, I saw David Haw talk about this, the WSCR 670 uh, morning host along with uh, Mully. And, and he said, you know, the, this has to stop at a certain point. You need to give a head coach a certain amount of time to get his system in there with players and so forth. It's painful for us fans to go through this losing, but perhaps Iberflus can grow into the job. And once he gets a really – Excellent roster. All of a sudden, we're starting. We're winning more games than we're losing. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I I, I agree with you, and I rarely agree with David. But he, <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I, I like David. David David is a good guy, but the there, there there's a lot to that. Now, my mm -hmm. personal opinion of Ryan Poles is. He's young. He's learning as he goes along, but mm -hmm. he's not going to be just a good GM. He's going to be a great GM. Mm -hmm. You know, just, mm -hmm. just watching how he sticks to his principles. He sticks to his plan. I'm not that. overpaying anybody. You know, I got a dollar figure. That's what the figure is. If, if you want more, then I'm sorry. You're not going to play here because mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, just as, keep one player, I'm not going to destroy the, the, the salary cap structure of our whole football team. So mm -hmm. from, from that standpoint, I like it. Did he hire the right guy? You know, I think it's, it, it's too early to say. Mm -hmm. um, we all got to admit that 
injuries have played a lot into this shitty early, you know, first half of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, this is the first game when pretty much what was supposed to be the starting lineup is going to be playing together. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to preseason even. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't want to overlook this question from Dented Fender, and I wish I would have spotted it earlier when we were talking about Pep's uh, Pep Hamilton. Uh, Dent, uh, Dented Fender, because I really want to know the answer to this question, uh, what is Pep Hamilton's scheme? And so if for some reason he were hired as the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, what would we be looking at? Would we be looking at a heavy play-action team Uh uh, because that's sort of my yeah. memory of him. Well, when Pep was here, mm-hmm. he was a quarterback coach. So it was Ron mm-hmm. Turner's scheme. That is right. That is right. Okay. But then Pep went out to Stanford and mm-hmm. was under Coach Shaw, and he learned the Stanford system. And the Stanford system, which was, you know, he – of course, you had one of the best quarterbacks in college football history in, in uh, Andrew Luck playing quarterback for him. Mm-hmm. But that system basically had for every play call, there's two plays. So there is a pass or a run, and you make that determination at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're going with A or B for – you know, to try to make it simple, to simplify what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. He then, you know, Andrew gets drafted by the Colts, and the Colts Mm -hmm. do the smart thing. They bring his OC from Stanford, and he put up some huge numbers. And he was basically using a lot of that system, but he's always added to it. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets new thoughts, and he's very, very good. At, from what I've seen now, you know, the last time I worked with him was uh, 2020 in the XFL, where we mm-hmm. had a switch quarterbacks in the middle of the year, totally different kinds of quarterbacks, and he totally changed the offense. Now you're not you're not changing play calls; you're changing how you're running a certain play. Yeah, yeah. You, you follow what I'm saying? So it, it, absolutely. It, it, you know, and and Pep will play to the strengths of his players. Mm-hmm. He likes the run game. He, he likes to toss it too now. You know, but he's one. You know, I I think he's a brilliant man. In fact, he should have been a head coach a long time ago, and he was using the XFL to be a a springboard, and then the whole thing folded. Unfortunately, um, yeah. So. I, you can't get me to say a bad word about it. So, but mm-hmm. that—that's what I can tell you. It's—it's it, really a multi-offense. I don't think it's that difficult to learn. I mean, if you, you do you, have. You know, go ahead. You do. I was just going to say, you know, in a multiple op offense like that, where deci- the players have to make decisions during the play, right? You got to have you know, uh, players who are receptive and are really good learners and then take what they learn in the classroom out to the field, as opposed to certain offenses where it's a little bit more freelancing. 
Um, yeah, but I, I'll say this, and I'll go back to the XFL. Because we're getting, I mean, it's like first year of existence. We never practiced together until the first week of December. Wow. And they had three weeks of practice in December, and that was without pads. That was just like OTA type thing. Yeah. Then they were out for a couple of weeks. Then we go down to Houston for they had the whole league there for training camp and three more weeks. Then we got to play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, so in essence, he had six weeks to put an offense in. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to construct it in such a way that you can, that your players can comprehend it and be efficient with it. Hmm. Good stuff, Greg. Uh, Eric just put up, anyone catch the interview yesterday from the Panthers talking about how they had a three-way trade set up with the Texans for the number one pick, but Houston backed out last second. I did not hear that. I'm, I'll, I'll look for I, that. I, uh, I did hear that. Yeah, uh, so the Bears were not involved. Well, the, the Bears, Bears were involved. The oh, Bears okay. were involved. Where the, I, I think, I don't, I, I think Houston was going to number one. Chicago's, I, I don't, I didn't, he, the guy explained that Chicago's going to number two or, or something, or maybe Chicago is still going to number nine and, and Carolina was coming to two, but they would have okay. picked up more picks. I see. Carolina would Yeah. Gotcha. All right, I'll look for that. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, got some more good questions here. Tony the Podboss says, Greg, have you ever been a part of a team that does anonymous player questionnaires? That seems to be a big thing now is, all right, guys, uh, let's uh, get your thoughts, candid thoughts on what's going on with the organization. And if you want to provide those thoughts anonymously, we've set up this system blah, blah, blah. And if you have been involved with something like that, Greg, tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, what about from the coach, coaching? <laughs> you were my say wife has where she works. Um, okay. <laughs> I have not, I have not seen that at all in any time. You know, you can, you develop relationships with certain players. Yeah. Okay. And, and and you got, and there's certain players that when there's a problem, they'll come to you mm-hmm. and they'll say, Hey, look, at this is what's going on. You need to be, no, you know, we'll, we'll try to fix it in the locker room because the, the players like to police their own locker room and you know, we'll fix that, but you've got to be aware of it. And that yeah. has happened to me and where I've, you know, players have come to me and then I went to Jerry. So, um, and of course the player knew damn well, I was going to go to Jerry with it. That's why he told me. So, um, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so, uh, but it was his way of saying, there's some fucked up things here. We got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mike Ibsen has an interesting question, one that I've thought of, uh, you know, because since the arrival of Phil Snow as the senior defensive analyst, the Bears defense has played better. So do you think Phil Snow's arrival has helped Flus? Seems like his arrival coincided with Flus calling plays. So I'm not sure if, if it's all Flus or if Snow is helping them him switch things up a bit. Your thoughts? Well, I, I believe he's only been here two weeks. No. Maybe three. Maybe three. Check. Maybe um, Because right. he, he was hired. He said, we're looking for an analyst. It took a week and a half to hire that analyst. And it's been a month since the announcement, Greg. One month. October 16th and today's November 16th. Okay. So it's been, there's been four games. So, yeah, what, what this guy is doing the the pro personnel department you know goes out and does advanced scouting but those guys are really looking at the personnel of the other team mm-hmm. and maybe what the substitutions are um and the value of the player is that making mm-hmm. sense you know so yeah. you know this guy's this guy can be really good this guy is weak whatever okay my thought when he hired this guy was to be more analytical and look at scheme and how to attack the scheme and defense the scheme mm-hmm. to help. And so he's a, and he's supposed to be a week ahead. Mm. So last week, you know, d- during when we were playing uh, Carolina, he was already working on Detroit. Gotcha. So he would be working right now on the Vikings. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and speaking yeah, of the and, Vikings, how is this? They had a quarterback out of nowhere, and, and, and the guy's like, you know, ready to be thrown. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, I, I got to believe that uh, Dobbs is the pronunciation of his last name. Yeah. Uh, that – he is such a smart guy. I mean, an IQ near he 200. He literally is a rocket scientist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to believe that that's helped him tremendously You know, absorb the play calling. Because I'm, I'm the type of guy, if you're going to teach me something, you got to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and finally, okay, I got it. This guy, you tell him once, and he's got it. And now he's able to execute it right away. I mean, for him to come in midweek and lead his team to victory is a testament to just how smart he is. Yeah, that, well, that that's the thing, but I think that cool, my personal feeling is that cools off. Yeah, because sure, now you're usually gonna have, does. You're, you're going to have a excuse me a couple games of tape, mm-hmm. see what he does well, see what he doesn't do, and then you're going to yeah. uh, work, you know, try to work against that. Yeah. Staying on uh, the snow topic, uh, Phil Snow, uh, Jeff is asking the question, do you think that snow is eventually hired as a defensive coordinator if uh, Flus is in head coach in 2024? I got to believe he's the top candidate, uh, given that he's got the pedigree. He's done it before in the NFL. Um, he would be a top candidate to take over as D.C., don't you think? Yeah, I, I would think he'd be a top candidate, but I can't tell you for sure that that's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, first of all, it's what kind of job is he do, is he doing the job that Flus wants him to do? 
Well, right now, the the what we've seen on the field says yes. So could he be that guy? Yeah, he could be. But, you know, I really, it, it's almost an impossible question to answer because there, there's just too many variables we don't know about. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Got a great question here from uh, Jay Sanders. And I totally agree with the thought that it's going to be very difficult to judge Iberflus's defense until he gets his three tech. Do you think that is a fair statement? Um, no, because he's not running it the way Lovey ran it. And everybody thinks oh. the three tech. He, everybody thinks that the three tech has got to be Tommy Harris. Right, right. There's only, there's only one of those. Or, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of those other got John Randall. You know, those are rare. rare those are Hall of Fame type individuals and yes, Tommy if he, if, if, if he could play now you look at uh the guy he had in uh Indianapolis who's a damn good they traded for from San Francisco he's six mm -hmm. seven three hundred and five three hundred and ten pounds and runs a five one but he can clog up the middle in fact size wise he's like Dexter Dexter okay. would be a baby, and and Dexter runs <laughs> faster. Yeah, and you know they've been playing now. They've been playing Dexter more at the one in pass rush situations in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I I, I don't want to take anything away from Jones because, like I said earlier in the show, the last three to four weeks he's played his best football, and not by a little, by a lot. Yes, he's improved dramatically. Yeah, and and part of that is probably the competition he's getting from the young guys. Mm hmm. And and you look at it too when you get look at the snap counts. They're trusting him because he's getting a good good number of snaps. Uh, he's mm -hmm. getting penetration. He's gotten some sacks. He's getting pressures. Getting tackles for losses. Um, and and part of it, you know, we never talk about this. But you go back, this defense, the defensive line as a whole, actually the whole front seven, mm -hmm. none, none of these guys ever played together until training camp. And in <laughs> training camp, a lot of them were hurt. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you brought in a new Mike linebacker and Tremaine Edmonds. You brought in JT to be the, the Will linebacker. You brought in a new nose tackle in Billings. You, you brought in Ngakwe at the end of training camp. You traded for Sweat. Who's ever played with each other before? Interesting, indeed. Yeah. Okay, so now that's part of that is learning. What's the word I want? Just how to play with the guy next to you. What mm -hmm. we can do together. So you know, you you can do some things so like you know, literally make up stuff along the way. Kurt Peck, I tell you what, let's do this. Boom, boom, boom. And, and, you know, and it works. And it works because they know each other well enough, physical talent-wise, to be able to do it. Yeah. 
DeStaron says they need more practice together, and that is indeed the case. You need continuity in a football team, and it's hard, of course, in today's free agency world, but as much as you can get in terms of practicing with fellow co-starters, the much better it helps. Josh Brown reminds us about Henry Melton. He was a good three-tech as yeah, well. Henry Melton was drafted as a, as a defensive end. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yes. Okay. And and Henry Melton was a um started off at Texas as a running back. And mm-hmm. he was a real good one. Like he had like a freshman year when he ran for over a thousand yards. <clears throat> then the next year he wasn't quite as good and he got a little heavier. So they mm-hmm. moved him over to defense and he played defensive end. He played defensive end for two years. And he never really played defense, and he showed a lot of talent. But when we got him then, and you get him in the bod pod, and you find out what he could be, you know, you're saying, this ain't an end. This is a three-tech. You know, it's going to take a year, but, mm-hmm. you know, so he played him. But by the time well, we drafted him, he was like 260, 263, something like that. And mm-hmm. by his second year, he was 295. Mm. You know, and so – that sparks a question in my mind. You know, you get a player, draft him. Uh, he's supposed to play one position. You move him to another. You talked about perhaps a guy like Jay Tyree Carter, uh, look taking a look at him at center and snapping the ball. Uh, another name that came up recently I saw on X, I think it was from Alexis Jade. It could have been from somebody else. What about Tevin Jenkins at, at center? Would, would you even consider something like that? No, I think he's too good a guard. Oh, he's tremendous at guard. <laughs> you know, now, now he got his ass handed to him a couple times last week in the, in the past game. Brown, yes. Brown, that Brown is, is one of the top three or four defensive tackles in football. Yes. So it it, it was a learning lesson for him. But yes. Tevin's almost six six. Yeah, that's tall for Carter, center, right? Car- Carter is just over six three. Very athletic. Mm-hmm. We'll repeat, he was a point guard in high school that got D1 offers. Mm-hmm. It tells you his athleticism. Um, this is me thinking out loud. If it's, I'd be right now in practice having him take some snaps at center just so he gets used to it and then all off season do it because you know you want to have the best five. And you can't tell me that he didn't play pretty good in the games he played. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But I, can I, he, can he make a switch? Cause you know, it's, it's not an easy job. I mean, obviously you got to get the snap, right, but you got to make the line calls. And so you got to be hmm. alert. Now you don't necessarily have to, you can have a guard do that. And in Nate Davis, you got a very experienced guy who could probably, is very capable of making line calls too but you prefer the center to make all the line calls. Indeed. Uh, Great question here from uh, Eric. He reminds me um, to talk to you about Ken Dorsey. He asked, you know, maybe the Bears need to hire Ken Dorsey as a senior offensive coordinator, but I want to get hire thoughts. I'd I'd hire him to clean out the washroom maybe. (laughs) That's what I wanted to find out. What are your thoughts on Dorsey? You don't like him, obviously. I have never been impressed with Ken Dorsey. Really? I mean, yeah. And it's like he was, you know, a decent quarterback in college. 
didn't do anything when he got to our level. And then he started off as a pro scout uh-huh. and somehow got elevated to a, um, you know, an assistant type thing, worked his way up to, to quarterback coach. To me, it was all Brian Dable. And when Dayball left, you know, Dorsey can't, he doesn't have Dayball's brain. And, and, and when, when Dayball left, Dorsey was left on a phone. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of things he can do well, but I sure as hell don't want him being my offensive coordinator. He got the, one of the best damn quarterbacks in the league and he got a great wide receiver crew, and they suck right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Eric says that Josh Allen said that Dorsey wouldn't have been fired if we played better. Well, maybe they would have played better if they would have uh, relied more on their run game. And well, there, there's a little side story to that now. Okay. Josh Allen kind of lobbied because he had a good relationship with oh. Dorsey was his position coach. Yeah, and, and he and he lobbied a little bit for him um, mm-hmm. when Dable went to the Giants. So. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, McDermott had did what he had to do because I mean you know I, I get my kids go to the games all the Bills games and okay. this was a couple of weeks ago and my daughter Kelsey goes she's probably shoot me for for saying this she sends me a text she goes <laughs> who hired that who hired that goddamn offensive coordinator and who can fire him. <laughs> Ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Is that the oldest one? <laughs> no, that's the younger one. They're only, they're only 13 wow. months apart. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Um, I, I, this is an interesting question because I've seen this uh, floating around social media. And maybe after you answer this question, it will even get hotter on social media. There's been speculation that if the Bills do not make the playoffs this season, that they might start over and actually look for suitors for Josh Allen. So if you're the Chicago Bears and you want to bring in a new quarterback, would you even entertain the idea of coming up with a deal to bring Josh Allen to the Chicago Bears? I can't even remotely think that he'd be part of a that he'd be a player they'd want to part ways with. Mm-hmm. Even you if know, like they to, looked at Caleb Williams as a, uh, you know, the next savior and they wanted to move to a younger well, they're quarterback. Not gonna, they're not going to get a shot at Caleb Williams. Well, if they trade with the bears and the, the bears trade the, the Panthers pick, there's a chance of that. Um, yeah. I don't know. That, I, I think it's too far fetched. Um, mm-hmm. The Bills do have some serious cap problems going into next year. I read mm-hmm. yesterday they have that as it stands right now, they're 24 million over the cap for next year on the mm-hmm. projected cap for next year. Interesting. So there's gonna there, there's gonna be some guys let go and some haircuts. <clears throat> Josh the hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a little wild at times. Sure does. <laughs> Excuse me. 
but I think some of it is he tries to do too much. They don't have a good running game, which which hurts them a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to have the guy, and he's still young. I think he's mm-hmm. twenty eight years old. But I, I I just can't picture that ever happening. Yeah. It's a strange world in the NFL. You never know what can happen. I want to bring I can up see this guys point. going from that team. Any good yeah. players going? You know, like that they could resign Tremaine. They wanted to resign Tremaine. They couldn't because they couldn't right. afford him. Right. You know, and there'll be right. good players next year that are going to be available in free agency because they can't, or they'll be cut because of cap casualties, and there'll be right. street free agents. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but the Bills have a tough schedule, um, if I recall correctly, ahead of them. At 5-5, five and five, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Uh, they got to win every game, I think. Yeah, you know, just about. Just, just about. And, and uh, who do they got this week? Let um, me pull it up here. I don't Buffalo. think this week's Bills schedule. Um, looks like they've got the <laughs> jeepers. They've got uh, the uh, Jets, uh, and then that's followed by the Eagles. The Chiefs. Okay, they got the Jets at home. Yeah, the and, Jets and at the home. Jets, okay, they lost to the Jets in a close game on opening night, Monday night. Um, if I was a better, I'd go and bet a lot of money on that money and take the Bills. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And, and the Chiefs, where where are they playing? Where are they playing the Chiefs? Every year in the season, they play in Kansas City. It, again, in KC on December tenth. That's that's fish. <laughs> yeah, and at Philadelphia, November twenty sixth. Well, no, they they they, they uh, might be on the outside looking in. Yeah. And then uh, they play at home against the Cowboys and then go to L.A. to play the Chargers in what will definitely be a shootout. Um, interesting. Well, I know how much you love the Bills, so I'll be pulling uh, for them. And uh, I, I, I want to ask you this because – You know, I almost – I did just interrupt you. My uh, son-in-law brought me this hoodie. Uh-huh. It was a red hoodie with the uh, an embroidered Bill's helmet on it, but with the old logo, which was oh, nice. remember the standing buffalo. Yes, yes. It's really, it's really sweet. Wear that next week. That is nice. Um, I want to ask you this because you know people are always talking about this, and I hope that you have some insider information on this. C Sharp is he's asking your opinion. Was Eberflus forced? upon polls because he was interviewed before polls was hired. The way I remember it was that Bill Polian had interviewed Eberflus, the search committee interviewed Eberflus. And so he was part of the three candidates that they handed over to polls, but told polls, you can bring in whoever you want. It's your decision. But there's been speculation that Eberflus was forced in upon polls, perhaps because of the Colts connection with Polian and Flus. Your thoughts. Uh, I don't know if there was much of a connection between Polian and, and Flus because Polian wasn't there with Flus. Right. Um, could it be? Yes. Do I know that for sure? No. I know for sure John Fox was forced on Ryan Pace. That that was a given. Um, 
but that was because it was a veteran coach and a rookie GM. Uh, you know, one of the things you had going on here is that, and it shouldn't make a difference, and maybe it didn't make a difference, but both Flus and Poles have the same agent. Mm. And, you know, could that play into it? I don't know. But Interesting. Uh, you know, my guy right now, I, I think the best non, and I haven't delved into it to really look at it, but I think Dan Quinn deserves another chance. Yeah. And when you and when you look at the staff he put together, because a, a lot of it's about the staff he put together, and you mm -hmm. look at the staff he put together in Atlanta, that was an all-star staff. Mm -hmm. Shanahan was his coordinator. LaFleur was, was awesome. his quarterback. You know, he had, well, Chris Morgan, who's the Bears offensive line coach, was his line coach. I mean, he had some damn good coaches there. Yeah, I think the biggest blemish with Quinn, you know, being a head coach is that so many fans remember that Super Bowl debacle up by 30 plus points and uh, his team, the Falcons, blow uh, blow that lead. But uh, shit, you know, shit happens. Shit happens even in a Super Bowl game. <laughs> uh, J2K wants to know, uh, how is Dorian Williams playing in Buffalo? I really liked him coming on. Is Dorian Williams, what position does he play? I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting. Who I, he I think he's a backup. I don't I don't hear the name that much. Yeah, okay. Um, Greg, do you, this is from Jeff Willis. Do you think the defense – let's talk about the Bears and Lions. Do you think the defense will be able to tackle Montgomery this week? I'm sure he will be running with purpose this week. Dude may have the strongest legs I've ever seen he has, along with – Yes, he is healthy. He and uh, Jamar Gibbs accounted for 200 yards rushing against the Chargers, and Montgomery had a 75-yard run and showed – yeah, you know, occasionally he would show speed on a long run when he was with the Bears. He showed that against the Chargers. Well, he's not he's not a fast guy. He ran he ran close to four six. Yeah, but, but sometimes, yes, exactly. He's exactly. Got, he's got <coughs> he's got play speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does exactly. So That's I'm a, a number to my pit thing here. I gotta see if I yeah, can you turn look, this. You look like uh, I don't like, know if uh, that helps. Yeah, it helps a little. Okay. Nice backlight on you. It looks very creative. <laughs> and we see more of your bookshelves and artwork. That piece over behind your right shoulder. Uh, uh, let me this one here? Me. No. The, let me see. Hold on. Let me get rid of this. Yeah, that one right there. Yeah, that one. That one, yes. Yeah, that's, what? That, my, my wife picked that out. I don't know what the hell it is. She picks out all the artwork. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna it's tell you beautiful. what. She, now she she found this guy. Uh -huh. There's a um, an art studio in Libertyville, and yeah. so we'd stop in there periodically, and they had a lot of paintings by this guy mm -hmm. named Lev Kubalov, okay. Russian immigrant. Okay. She loves some of them. I got her one of them for Christmas one year. Mm -hmm. We ended up, we got six or seven pieces of his now. Nice. But not, it, it, it got to a point where 
the lady at the store really screwed up. And because Robin asked, you know, how do you get a hold of him? She goes, well, he lives in Mundelein. And she gave his number. So Robin called this guy. We mm-hmm. ended up getting three pieces from him right at his house. He works right nice. at his house. And he, half the cost of what you paid at the art gallery, because, you know, there's no markup. She's She's got him doing sketches of her employees for Christmas and stuff. The guy's really, really talented. But a lot of the stuff, a lot of the pictures are, um, you know, old Russian landscapes like Moscow and winter and stuff like that, because that's where he grew up. And it's really good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's great. I'll uh, text me the number of that art guy. We, we're doing some renovation work in the near future, hopefully here in the house. And so we want to get some new pieces and stuff. Um, back to the lions. We've got a guy in the chat room named lions guy. And he says, I can't believe you bears guys uh, underestimated David Montgomery. I don't think the bears ever and the fans. I know at me as a fan, I loved David Montgomery. Loved uh, his he's, attitude. He's, he's 100% wrong on that. The yes, Bears exactly. loved him. They didn't want to pay him right. what he wanted to get paid. Right. Being that he was, he had had a bunch of injuries and it was going into a second contract. It's just, hey, that's the nature of being a, a, a running back in the National Football League right now. Right. You know, they had a figure and- they'd go to. It's the same with Roquan. They had a figure they'd go to. And then after that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to post what Tony said. You know, and the thing is that Montgomery and Gibbs, both of them are excellent running backs. I I loved Gibbs coming out of Alabama and was hoping that he would fall to the Bears in the second round. I thought he would, because he reminds me a little bit of Marshall Falk with his dual, you know, his catching and his running and the speed and the burst and all that. I love, but the fact that those two guys are playing behind what is clearly the best offensive line in football, that's helped them tremendously. If, Deontay Foreman or Roshan Johnson or uh, Khalil Herbert were running behind that offensive line, they'd be putting up uh, huge numbers too. You agree with that, Greg? Well, I, I Deontay Foreman's played pretty good now since he got a chance. To <laughs> he play. is. Well, the Bears' offensive line isn't too bad either, right? No, and now they're they're going to be. They should be even better this year mm-hmm. or this week. Uh, so, you know, the the, the only Worry I got is is they got the uh, the pass rusher um, who's going to be over uh, right in, in pass rush situations and and that's going to be a Hutchinson. tough yeah, yeah that's going to be a tough ma- uh, matchup for him but yeah. uh, other than that I I think you know looking across the matchups could be pretty good mm-hmm. you know I um, but to that that. Listener's original question. I I don't think the the Bears undervalued him at all. It was a matter of dollar and cents. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I I think it's the same thing with this is going to be the fate of Darnell Mooney. Mooney will probably not be re-signed because some team is going to offer him more than the Bears will. You agree with that? I don't know if I agree with that one. Because I think okay. he's really, I think he's really liked within the organization. 
Yeah. And but you got Montgomery was too. Yeah, I know that, but I, I, I just, I don't think he hasn't put up the numbers in the last two years because he got hurt last year and then this year right. to really say, you know, I want 15, 17, 18 million dollars. I mean, if somebody mm -hmm. wanted to give him that, <clears throat> go ahead. But that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't. He hasn't earned it. Which, what I would do is, you know, hey, look at we we think you're better. Let's do a two year or three year deal, and mm -hmm. you still get your chance to hit the jackpot. And he'll he'll get a significant raise. Yeah. Well, I, I think especially in part of that too is because Claypool's gone. Yeah. So now, yeah. now who are you gonna have? Who who do you got? You don't you don't have anybody after DJ. Yeah. See, that's why I, I put up my, you know, I, I'm I'm going to over the next several months just put up on X and I'll introduce it to some of our barroom shows. Just my kind of projected big roster moves during the off off season. And one of the things that I did was uh I think, and I learned this from you, Greg, uh, that the Bears need a big wide receiver. Uh, so they'll probably either try to draft one, but there could be some available in free agency. Perhaps Noah Brown, who plays uh, uh, with uh, the Dolphins, the Texans. Uh, no, uh, it's Cedric Wilson, who's a six foot two wide receiver, plays with the Dolphins. Yeah, Cedric Wilson can't run, and he's getting older. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Noah Brown is is a candidate, six two, six three, big blocking there guy. Are some, I mean, obviously. Marvin Harrison is a pretty big dude, but mm -hmm. this draft is loaded, and I don't have the list in front of me, loaded with some big receivers. Yeah, Keon Coleman is uh, a yes, great down Florida State, yes. So mm -hmm. you can get one. Um, I cannot see, I know there's people who think they got to use a first, you know, a high first round pick on Harrison. You know, if you look at it, the last time a receiver went number one, that was Keyshawn Johnson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next highest one after that was number four, and that was Sammy Watson, and he flopped. And that was about 12, 13 years ago or whatever. And then um, after that, they start coming at five. Chase mm -hmm. went at five, and so it, it's like, in one, two, three, and four, you're taking quarterbacks, offensive line, defensive line. And then you get to – now, could somebody break the mold this year? Of course they could. But that's just, you know, when you look at trends, that's the way the trends have been. Mm -hmm. Tony brings up Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, somebody who I just started uh, studying. He looks like he I haven't, could be – I haven't looked at him yet. Yeah, I, I think he's they, he's being tossed around as a second round uh, type project, but uh, I think after the All Star games, if he is, because uh, I think he's a junior still. Washington's got but, two big receivers. Yeah, they're pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Texas it, has got one. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, this offseason, <laughs> this probably the last two seasons, but it's it's going to be so fascinating to see what Ryan Poles does. This is this is the off season where he puts it all together or he doesn't. And then we can safely start to assume that maybe he isn't over his head. A um, couple of more questions regarding this upcoming game against the Detroit Lions, Greg. I really, really 
was wrong about Dan Campbell. I think he's a good head football coach. I've studied him enough now, uh, and I know that he has the ultimate respect from his players. And I guess, you know, winning does that, right? But he's preached a winning formula. What are your thoughts about the Lions head coach? Well, you know, I, I think long, long time ago we talked about him. When I was with the Giants, we drafted him. Oh, that's right. Texas A&M. Yes. And when, and so I knew him as just a young player's first couple years in the league. And he didn't say boo. He was very <laughs> quiet. So now, you know, you see him once he, be, he got into coaching, totally different personality. Mm -hmm. You know, so the person I saw and what he is now aren't, aren't the same thing. But I think that, you know, number one, he played in the league for a while. Mm -hmm. So he, he knows what it's like for the players. And I think he just knows how to push the right buttons. Yes. And, and, and really that's, does. that's the key. And, and, you know, we worked for Parcells for a while. And mm -hmm. I think and, and Parcells drafted him, but he worked for Parcells for a while. And, and um, he, I think he learned a lot from that because Bill, you know, there's this theory in coaching that you got to treat, every player alike and mm -hmm. bill throws that theory out the window you treat every player differently yeah you find out what the where the pressure point is and you work at that pressure point and mm -hmm. you know you might have to love one guy you might have to kick the ass of another guy um mm -hmm. you know and and you you don't treat them alike yeah i i, I totally agree with that philosophy people are different different than they should be treated differently i mean a, per but, a perfect example was was um Devin. and yeah. we told dave Tobe because dave Tobe coaches hard now uh -huh, and uh -huh. you know we did a ton of research on Devin, and it came out that you know he was kind of shy which you could see early in his career um and he didn't respond well to being yelled at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had to put your arm around him and love him. And I remember, yeah. you know, and, and everybody, you know, the, the whole plan for that draft was to find a way to get Devin Hester. That was the key mm -hmm. to that draft, even though we didn't take him until the second round. But the, but it was funny because I, I still kid Tobe about it. So after we get him, you know, we just remind Tobe, no, Tobe, you know, he's a little different. And he goes, you're going to fucking tell me how to coach him too? <laughs> <laughs> what a classic moment that was. <laughs> but, I yeah, love it. <laughs> and, Tobe is, and Tobe is great. But Tobe is great. I'll tell you what, that's a guy who should be head coach in the National Football League. People in the chat are saying that. Yeah. You know, why I, hasn't I, I love the guy? And now I think mm -hmm. you know he's 61, 62. It's I think he knows it's passed him by. Mm. That's too bad. It really is because I, I would love to give a guy like that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that when I was looking at Campbell, one of the things that the Bears have not done in a long time is hire a head coach who has 
NFL playing experience. How much of a big deal do you think that is? I think it really depends on the person. Okay. And what his, you know, look at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell was, I don't know if he was ever a coordinator, but he was mm-hmm. a position coach. And then he goes to Miami and he was an interim head coach for half a season. And that taught him a lot. Mm-hmm. So, but what surprised me, and I thought might be his downfall, and he was, you know, people could say what they want about Flukes and how bad this team looks and everything else. His first two Detroit teams were horrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, he gets rid of his offensive coordinator and he's calling the plays. He never called plays before in his life. And then, and then last year, and they started last year one and six. Right. And then after that, they turned around. It's yes. like, you know, let's not jump to conclusions too fast. Because right. I guarantee you, if, 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 this is two years ago, and we're sitting in Detroit doing the show. Mm-hmm. They're screaming, "We want the son of a bitch fired." Yeah, yeah. I got, got to give these guys some time. I know, you know, with all of the losing we've had in Chicago, it's very difficult to ask Bears fans to be patient. But we really need to be. What do you think about what Creighton Wolfong is saying here about Marcus Freeman uh, for head coach? Do you think Marcus Freeman has the pedigree to become an NFL head coach? Not yet. Way too yet. Yeah, I think so, too. I'd love to see um, him in a coordinator he, he's role. He's another guy we drafted, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you know oh, that? I didn't know that. No. He was one of no. my biggest disappointments. He was a bust. Yeah, I know some people on the – yeah, I'll tell you, he – we got him in the fifth round. Here's a guy who was like six, one, and three quarters, 200 and – 37, 238 pounds, ran a sub four or five, mm-hmm. could jump out of the building. I mean, his wow. numbers were crazy good. And you think this guy's going to be a player. By the end of training camp, the coaching staff didn't even want him on the practice squad. Hmm. Just let him wow. go. And he ended up, yeah, and and, and they, so that left a little sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. You know, and um, so when he got, he was first the DC at Notre Dame. And, you know, so I'm, I'm watching closely and I, I thought he did a good job. And then by the end, when you saw how he interact, he found his niche. His niche wasn't a player, his niche was coaching. Mm-hmm. His people skills are excellent. Players and love him. So, you know, but is he ready for the NFL? No. I mean, he's only been a, a he's a real young college head coach. He's only like 36, 37 years old. Yeah, I agree. I mean, down the line, he's definitely he's one of those guys that if you are in the front office of any NFL coach, you've got a file of guys who could potentially be head coaches in three to five years or whatever it is. And his name is in that file, but he's definitely not ready yet to be a NFL head coach. No, Maybe I mean, a coordinator. He's, he's had his blunders in some games yes, and, 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 his, and his cues. But, 
he seems to learn from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unsure if he, you know, he, he tried to hit a home run when Tommy Reese left and went down to Alabama as the offensive coordinator. He went after two people trying to hit a home run and he didn't get either one of them. Mm-hmm. And then he gave it to the tight end coach. And that might not have been the best move. And the one part, you know, the one coach they went after was Utah's OC. I think his name is Logan. And the buyout was just enormous. Mm. So, you know, it was just, it was, it was a no win situation. So they couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And the other guy was the, the Kansas State coordinator who played quarterback at Kansas State. He's an alum. He wasn't leaving. But, mm. Um, you know, I, I, the guy's got now is, is inexperienced. Um, I don't think he does a bad job. I'm personally disappointed in Sam Hartman. I don't think mm-hmm. Sam Hartman's very good at all. Uh, but I didn't think so last year either. Uh, he's got a noodle arm and yeah, he's got a very inexperienced. They got a talented, but inexperienced wide receiver core there. They're playing yes. with a bunch of freshmen. And, you know, they got to learn how to play the game. Yeah, they they do have a lot of young talent there, guys that are going to be drafted in the NFL in two or three years. Uh, what do you think about that running back, uh, Esten? Boy, the guy Estimate. runs with Estimate. Guy runs with the best power. back in the draft. Yeah, do you? Wow. That's, that's, that's saying a lot. And, and he probably won't be. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to run faster than people think because mm-hmm. you don't see him get caught when he gets in the open field. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, he runs hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, he, can, he catches him. the ball real well, you mm-hmm. know, out of the backfield. I, 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 He's the guy that's a day one starter the day you pick him. I don't care what, what round you take him in. He's starting mm-hmm. for you right away. Mm. All right, let's end the show with uh, your thoughts on this Bears Lions game. I I am you know as a fan, I'm hoping that they win. Uh, my my fan part of me says they're going to upset the Detroit Lions, but as a realist, I think the Bears are going to get blown out by Detroit in Detroit. Your thoughts? Well, as a realist, if your thoughts come true, that could be the beginning of the end. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Um, I like the enthusiasm they've played with the last mm-hmm. few weeks, and I'm hoping, you know, they've had a 10-day wait, so they've been able to put together a pretty good game plan. Uh, Justin's got to be on. I mean, the, the obviously, the defense has got to play strong. And they got to pressure golf. The way you pressure golf, you hit golf in the mouth a couple times. It's all over. Yeah. Same exactly. with it's same with Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, then then they shy away. So you got to put pressure on golf, and then Justin's got to play the way he played in Washington. Right. Exactly. Do you, if you're flus, do you blitz? a little bit more often early in the game to get that intimidation factor. Um, and, uh, you know, what, whatever blitz packages you have dialed up for this particular Lions team, do you try to employ those early to get that uh, intimidation factor going? Yeah, I'm not an X and O guy. 
The one thing I've noticed they've been doing, and even early, is blitzing Kyla Gordon. Yeah, I love that. Edge. Yes, yeah, and and um, and it, where where he doesn't have a sack, he's gotten some pressures. Mm -hmm. Um, probably the most effective blitzing linebacker they had was Edmonds, and he's out. So I, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, his his main philosophy is rush with four, and 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 cover with seven, and maybe send five. But it, yeah. it's, um, I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people think, because I think it is a trap game for Detroit. I think they think mm -hmm. it's going to be a cakewalk, and um, we'll just see what happens. I mean, put it this way: next week we'll either have a good show or a lousy show. <laughs> And they're all good shows, Greg. We we might be no, down. I mean, okay, we'll have a smiley face show or a grim face show, or a very you grumpy. Know, come on. <laughs> I don't know how you. Exactly, exactly. Well, I will be rooting for the Bears. I never, never say die. Uh, but I am, you know, I did a video on this Lions team and did a lot of research for that video. And I'll, uh, that video is available on the Barroom Network's uh, Twitter or X uh, feed. Uh, take a look at it. I'll post it up on our YouTube uh, channel as well. I'm really proud of the, the way the video turned out. But uh, the Lions have scared me a bit. Now, one of the good things, though, Greg, is they, that they, they have – yeah, they, their defense is not playing really well. They have allowed 38 points in two of their last three games. Now, both of those were on the road against good teams like the Chargers and the Ravens. Those were teams. But that, that defense, and, and they have 21 sacks this season, Greg, but 18 of them came in three games. And so they've had games where the, the pass right. pressure was non-existent. So this team does have deficiencies, and hopefully the Bears will take advantage of that. We'll they, see. They they got to come out like they did in Washington and play be very very physical. Because let, let's mm -hmm. be honest, did any of us think they're really going to beat Washington? Washington was playing pretty good then. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and the game was I... in Washington. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, this team seems to play better on the road than they do at home. Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you to everyone in the chat room. Uh, we On our YouTube channel, we had over 200 people visit us and hundreds more on X. Really appreciate it. Make sure you visit the Swift Sports Network, Bears Country Podcast uh, Productions uh, uh, channel on YouTube. They do great work as well. Uh, and I'm scrolling around to see if there's any other uh, podcast network that I can send you guys to. Uh, if I've missed out on anyone, let me know, and then I will give you a plug on our next show. Thank you all very much. Uh, and, uh, Greg, I'll see you next week, okay? Okay, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Thank you.